BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today I am going to be talking to Melinda Hale. She is a singer, an activist. She's the creator of the We Need to Talk podcast. She's really an interesting woman. I've been following her. We follow each other on Twitter, and I've enjoyed the back and forth with her. Also, she has like the cutest little baby girl. Oh my God. We do talk about her a little bit, but she's so cute. And anyway, we're going to, we have an interesting show, talk about a variety of subjects. So that's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to it. But before we get into it, I don't want anybody to forget that I am now an Amazon associate and I include links to the, in the text description of every show on Patreon. So when you shop on Amazon, please use that link. Uh, you know, I'm a participant in the Amazon Services Associates Program. So as, a, as an associate, I earn from qualifying purchases. Now, keep in mind that that link, it says Amazon. When you click on it, you're going to actually see that I have linked that to my mom's book, The Melt, which is a book about a global pandemic caused by climate change. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, it just came out earlier this year. So, but don't get thrown off by that because I think from time to time, I'm going to change Whatever that Amazon link takes you to, I'm going to change the product, but just keep that in mind and don't don't get thrown off by that. And also, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners. It's woman-run. I don't have corporate backers, and I don't use advertisers, so it's patrons who keep the show going. If you enjoy today's show, check out the front page. You're going to see all different kind of people that I've interviewed, mostly political. Every once in a while, I interview an actor and we just stick to their craft. But most of the time, we just talk about politics. So if you like the show, please consider becoming a sponsor or I'm sorry, a patron. (laughs) Well, sponsor, patron, whatever, but it's called a patron. You know, like if you sign up for two bucks a month, you can kind of play around, see what's up. And if you later, if you want to upgrade to something else, you can do that. You can also just keep in mind, like you could look at the tiers that I have, like six tiers. You don't have to go by those numbers. You can go into any tier and change the dollar amount to to reflect what you want to pay. So like, let's say you clicked on the $5 tier. You could change that to $17 or $150. You could do whatever you want. (laughs) Um, Just visit patreon.com slash start me up. You get all the information and don't forget that you can also make a one-time donation. I always include my email address, which you can use with PayPal. But let me explain how this works and and what I'm going to change in November. I always do two free shows every week, which is Monday and Wednesday. And then I do two patrons-only shows a month. 
So the first patrons only show that I do is literally just for any patron, whatever dollar amount you've signed up. The second one in the month is for patrons who have signed up for $5. So if you sign up for $4 or less, you get all the free shows plus one patrons only show delivered to your email box. If you sign up for $5 or more, you get everything. You get the two patrons only shows plus the two free shows. Now, what I'm adding in November is after I do my interview or conversation with my guest, I usually, you know, talk for a little while and I share stories. Like today, I talk about my my back went out and I tell a little story about Santa Barbara and how when it first went out, blah, blah, blah. I weigh in a little bit on whatever I thought my guest and I shared and, you know, my experiences with that and my feelings of that. So it's not going to be like a whole nother show. It's just going to be maybe 15 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. It's not going to be very long, but that's going to be included in the $5 tier. So for October, you're going to get all the outros for lack of a better word. I may come up with a a name for the show. I don't know what I'll call it, but I think I had an idea the other day and I didn't write it down, so I can't remember, of course. But either way, uh, starting in November, just keep in mind the $5 tier, you're going to get everything delivered to your email box, plus you're going to get the uh, outro for each and every show. And and so the way it's going to work on the show now is I'll you know do my intro like this, I'll interview my guest and talk with my guest, and then we're just going to say our goodbyes. And if you want to hear you know, my kind of two cents and whatever's going on with me personally that day, whatever I feel like talking about, that will be included in the $5 tier. And again, it's patreon.com slash start me up. So you can find start me up on iTunes, Stitcher and wherever podcasts are found. I just got to say, you know, almost every day I check to see if I have new ratings or new subscribers, and I do. So thank you for that. While you're there, while you're, uh, you know, at Apple Podcasts, please just become a subscriber because it's free. And if you can, give me a rating and then give me a review. I would really, really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who's done it. And thank you to all my patrons. I just, I say this every time, but I appreciate you and I'm grateful for, for the fact that you support this show and you support me doing this show. I just thanks. So I'd give you a big hug. Big hug for all of you. <laughs> all righty. Now let's just get into it. Please enjoy my conversation with Melinda Hale. Welcome to the show, Melinda. Hi, Kimberly. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. And it's good to have... I say I'm okay just because my back is out and pff, whatever. But I'm fine Aww. outside of that. And also I'm like totally stressed out about this stupid hearing... But, uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's how it's going to go. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think after the Brett Kavanaugh one, I don't think anybody's really ready for another. No, no. Especially ago. her. I mean, especially that it's a woman who's like a woman against women. It's really it's just really so sad. And actually, you know what? I want to ask you before we get into the whole awful part of the show, which is politics, because <laughs> uh, we're going to get into that. You know, we are. Um, I first, yeah. I kind of just want to ask you a little a bit about you because, you know, we've met on Twitter and I feel mm-hmm. um, that we have this like fun relationship and oh my God, you have the cutest daughter. She is so oh, cute. Every time I see her, I want to squeeze her cheeks and I'm, I'm like the <laughs> annoying person who does that. I'm totally a, a cheek squeezer, but um. So I know that you're an artist and I also mm-hmm. know that you're an activist and you're a singer. So before we get into all the uncomfortable, ugly political crap, <laughs> tell us about <laughs> you. What, what, what's going on yeah. with you? 
No, of course. So um, I'm originally from Santa Barbara, California, and I live in Los Angeles now. But music has been like my bread and butter pretty much my whole life. Wow. I That's grew up awesome. singing in church. I grew up doing musical theater. I went to school for opera. Wow. And I've, I've been a singer-songwriter, soloist for many, many years. And my music really took a turn, I would say, about four or five years ago <laughs> when I got really involved in activism. And so right. I've been more specifically doing a lot of more socially conscious music. So that's the, the main thing. You know, and I've definitely done a lot of acting and commercials and TV movies. And oh. uh, I love to tour and I, I, I try to do a lot of uh, work with, I have my own podcast as well. And I have a blog. So kind of dabble in everything. But, you know, my main job right now, like you said, is being a mom <laughs> to a beautiful baby girl. She's six months old now. but she, You would think she's 10 months old because she's just flying through her milestones wow. right now. Um but yeah, so I, being an artist and being an activist is really just how I define myself right now. Um, well, and just real quick, it made me laugh. You put up that uh, video where you wanted your daughter Sienna to say "Mama" and she said "Dada." <laughs> that just made me very laugh. clearly. <laughs> that was so She's cute. Like, no, this I'm gonna say "Dada." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, she she should be a Gerber baby. She's so cute. Anyway, oh, yeah, um, thank you. I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> well, she. I mean, I I sincerely mean it. She's so cute. Um, but I'm curious too. Okay, so you've been a singer, and and then you're an activist. So first of all, mm-hmm. um, what kind of made you jump into activism? And then also, did you worry about it affecting your career? And has it? How has it affected your career? That's a great question. So I would say I got into activism just as the world started changing, yeah. honestly. <laughs> and I kind of, I've just always been a person that has loved to facilitate conversations and, and hear other people's stories. And I've always just had a heart for people in general. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, I would have conversations on Twitter, have con- really, really deep conversations with people on Facebook. And people started to kind of look to me for advice or mm-hmm. guidance or answers. And I was like, gosh, I really want to be a part of people's lives in, in a, on a grander scale. And, you know, I grew up in a, a very liberal Christian church. So I was always a part of a church that was kind of truly following the teachings of Jesus. As mm-hmm. I like to say that, you know, they had a heart for people and, and gave back and, 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 and always helped and, and did, uh, I don't want to say mission trips, but you know, they, they gave back to the community. Mm-hmm. And so when I realized that music is the main thing that, always affects me I'm like I need to figure out a way to combine these two Hmm. so you know everything kind of changed everybody and I feel like anybody can write a love song but when you try to use something as universal as music to to make a change it really can impact people Mm -hmm. so like I said I started doing that a few years ago and you know I would say that it's actually helped my career it's it's definitely helped my fan base and the people that I at least want to reach you know you're gonna get those people that are like you know, stay out of this, stay out Mm -hmm. of politics, just shut up and sing. You know, there's always going to be those kinds of people, but that's not who I'm trying to reach. Yeah. That's not who I want my demographic to be. That's not who my audience is. So I've been able to find um, a niche of people that really want songs that talk about change, that talk about issues that matter to them, but in a very 
um, non-preachy way, I should right. say. So it's, it, I think it's been very beneficial for me, and I'm, I'm proud of, of, of the, the choice that I've made and the trajectory that my career has taken in that sense. And I can sleep at night, so <laughs> I think I'm doing, I'm going doing the right thing. I, th- I think it's always so ridiculous that people tell any creative person, especially someone who's successful that they should keep their opinions to themselves when it's about politics while they're on there doing whatever job they're doing and, you know, freely talking about politics. It's like, why is it the actors and the musicians have to stay quiet? You know, and and it's just because they have a bigger platform, I think. It feels like they're like, they're not people. Like you treat them like, like we're, they're still humans. They still yeah. vote. They still have opinions. <laughs> so I never understood that. And then of course we can get into, well, look at, you know, it's mostly the people that I guess that voted for Trump. It's like, but you voted for a reality television exactly. star. So why is that? Okay. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, I mean, I would never tell that wretched human being, James Woods, that he can't have an opinion. I mean, he can have his opinion all day long, but I mean, I, he's still a wretched human being, but it's like, yeah. I think, I think it just has to come. It comes from the fact that it's intimidating to people and so many artists, you know, who have large followings when they're talking about politics, you know, their critics recognize that their voices reach far. And I think that they just Mm -hmm. desperately want to silence those voices because, you know, I mean, and it's so sad that our our, uh, culture is so divided right now. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's really upsetting. One of the things, you know, I'll just be straight up that. Before I had you on, I asked you if there were certain topics that you liked, you know, wanted to discuss or if you mm-hmm. know, anything that you had a preference on. And you mentioned that there's a hesitance in the black community for Biden-Harris. And I'm curious about yeah. that. I mean, I've heard it before, but and I want to just make sure everyone knows who's listening. You're African-American. I assume you're African-American. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> I know Kamala yes, Harris, I, I don't know that she identifies as African-American. I know she identifies as black. Um, black, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I'm just curious, where is this hesitance coming from for Biden-Harris? So, no, for sure. So... I will say a lot of politicians, I think, will, are part of their times. So when they're elected, whatever era or decade they're elected in, they're kind of following the political trends of that era, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So with Joe Biden, for example, you know, a lot of the black community still has, I, I would say, animosity towards him for his mm-hmm. part in the crime bill and um, just other decisions that he made that really impacted the black community as a whole. And same with Kamala when she was a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Majority of the people that she did end up putting away for small misdemeanors, like, you know, marijuana, for example, yeah. were the black community. But for me, I come from a place of, let's look at what their recent trajectory is. Let's look mm-hmm. at what they've did done in the last few years. Because you don't want anybody to judge you for something that you did 20 years ago. Yeah. And if you've shown that you've made a difference, yeah. then let's give them a chance. But also there's this um, attitude, I, I, not even just black community. I think people as a whole, it's the culture that we're in that nobody wants to hold anybody accountable and put pressure on them. They just want to cancel them and have them go away. Yeah. And I don't think that that fixes anything. Right. You know, people can never learn from their mistakes. So I, I also feel that, that no political party has truly, 100% benefited the black community. I still think America mm-hmm. to this day has not mm-hmm. um, done right by black people yeah. the way that they should have at this point. So I, in general, understand the hesitation, but I think personally that they clearly are 
our best choice. And I yeah. think that once they are elected, then that's when we really have to start doing the work of mm -hmm. saying, okay, this is, for example, Joe Biden has a Lift Every Voice and Sing plan that is on his website for the black community. So this is what you wrote. Now, when you're elected, we need to hold him accountable yes. to that and yes. make sure that he does every single bullet point <laughs> that is on that list. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we will make sure that, you know, you're, you've lost our trust completely. So I get the hesitation, but I don't think right now is the time to <laughs> be trying to have a revolution because we have to get that monster out of the West. It's going to be 10 times worse yeah. if, if Trump is reelected. Oh, again. absolutely. Yeah, it's the end of the American experience. It, it's over for everybody yeah. unless you're a wealthy white oligarch. That's it. And I, you yeah. know, I mean, I don't know that people fully understand that. I think the people who listen to my show and a lot of uh, politicos on Twitter, people who like to, you know, political junkies, I think we all realize it. But the average American who's, you know, maybe not paying attention to politics and only looking at headlines or getting their, you know, blurb, little blurb here uh, from the evening news, I don't think they fully understand how dangerous this is. And I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from because, you know, I've often wondered, just as a woman, um, you know, I've I've wondered about women's rights and 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 how mm -hmm. they they can sometimes I, I don't like this, but sometimes it takes men to kind of like get us over that hump, right? Because I do believe we live in a patriarchy because we you know we do men are in charge yeah. for the most part, and so unfortunately sometimes it's going to take a man. Like I always look at the Equal Rights Amendment. I started. Uh, advocating for it when I found out that it had not been codified in the Constitution. I found out about it in 2012. There were three states that needed, still need three states that needed to vote for it. But there was also mm -hmm. a deadline attached that expired. So there's all this, it, like everything is against it. And so it wound up, it was interesting, you know, while Trump's president, it wound up passing those three states needed. First one was Nevada, then it was, or Nevada, then it was um, Illinois, and then it was in Virginia this year. This mm -hmm. was the last state. And I think it was, I can't remember the number, five to seven Republican men that worked with Democrats to pass it. But those votes came in from white Republican men. And okay, yeah. so it's like, I'll take it. I, I would, you know, mm -hmm. I, I want women to be the ones to bring it. But at the same time, I also feel like, well, men need to do it, too. You know, and it's great yeah, when if, if there sure. is a white man, a white Republican conservative man who's going to say, yeah, I'm for this, then I'm going to take it. And I just kind of bring this up because I feel like so many of us, uh, did, it's like Joe Biden was not the first choice for so many of us. Right, <laughs> right, right. But and for me, it was kind of like Warren was my always my top. But I, with Harris, it was like sometimes she would be my first. And then and then, you know, Harris, uh, Warren would fall a little bit, but then Warren would come back. But I'd say in the overall picture, Warren was my favorite, like my top choice. Mm -hmm. But it was really mm -hmm. between those two. And I look at Harris and I feel like, wow, I mean, I, I understand the hesitancy that you speak of. But as far as somebody who is able to just hold her own, she's strong, she's really smart she's more than capable um i feel pretty confident with her and i i want to go back to what you said as far as holding them accountable that's the problem with i think every, so many democratic voters and maybe republican too but they drop the ball after the general mm -hmm. they just go yeah. okay i did what i needed to do and i voted and it was really yeah. hard this year so i'm just going to ignore it now we can, there's mm -hmm. elections every year 
we can hold these people accountable that we elect. We can, but unless we do it, it's not going to happen. And that's right. And I think there's this attitude that from Democratic voters that like, okay, we're safe now, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, no, No, we're never safe. We're never safe. But I think that's also um, in conversations that I've had, one of the fears of the black community is that they think that if, you know, we vote in Biden and Harris, that the work, for example, with Black Lives Matter and, and equal rights and still fighting for this is just kind of going to you know, dissipate. And people are going to think that they don't need to fight for no. it anymore, <laughs> because obviously with Trump in, in, in office, it has created more yeah. allyship and it has created more advocacy. Mm-hmm. And we, a lot of people have come together and realized, oh, this really is an issue. But there is this fear from the black community that once the Democrats are in the office, mm-hmm. that people just breathe easy again. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> this is when we actually have to start doing the work. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah. I, and that that is my fear. I mean, I I feel like, OK, yeah, this is a really important election. And there's a lot. And, and the thing is, is this election is a difficult one because obviously every mm-hmm. every year, every time it's time to vote, the Republicans make everything so difficult, whether it's suppression or putting up fake voter boxes or whatever ridiculous shenanigans they're engaging in. <laughs> Um, but yeah. this year in particular, I can't believe those fake voter boxes when I saw that. I was like seething. <laughs> for, and for those of you who don't know, I guess there's just fake boxes that were put up in California. So my advice mm-hmm. to everybody is go online. I mean, I got, you know, I requested my ballot and then I filled it out and, uh, you know, there was additional paperwork in the envelope to tell me where to go. So follow either go on a website or follow the directions in your absentee and don't just assume. That's so sad. Yeah. But don't assume. It is. It's just anything to win it's yeah terrible. it's disgusting so i'm just curious like how how do you feel about harrison I'm, i want to ask a question that i kind of posed this question i think it i think i posed it to glenn Kirshner, but my I, like okay i have a fear i don't like saying it out loud but i'm gonna say it out loud is that um mm-hmm. well two things that i kind of don't want to say out loud number one i don't know that joe biden is going to be on the ticket in 2024 i think it's going to be harris and so right I, I i have concerns only that not that in her abilities just like with hillary her abil- hillary her abilities are all there hillary clinton was the most qualified qualified person in the world at that point to be president right and look what happened to her i mean she did get the popular vote but they figured out a way to cheat so that the electoral vote is what you know we that's what we go by so number one uh if kamala harris is running in 2024 how how do you i mean i know we got to get through this election and all that but just you know let's just jump to 2024 and i don't know what's going to happen in the interim but here we're going to have a woman running against whoever mm-hmm. the GOP puts up and she's going to be a woman of color. Does that make, yeah. does that make you feel excited? Does that make you feel worried or both or how does that make you feel as a black woman? It's I mean that's a great question because I I think that that kind of has been the goal. I think I loved I do love Joe like as a person and he, he wasn't my first choice at all but <laughs> he's old as dirt. Let's just be honest. He's not going to be running in 2024. So no. I think that the whole point of bringing Kamala in yeah. was to show yeah. was to have somebody be able to take over. And I think that she proved in um in the vice presidential debates last week um that oh, she's yeah. more than capable yeah. uh, of taking over and being in charge but what and I, I just talked about this uh on, on another podcast and i was saying you know people don't realize as a black woman the kind of emotional olympics that you have mm-hmm. to go through in your head about how to present yourself because yeah. wanting to um 
run away and just get away from the whole angry black woman trope is so difficult to mm -hmm. do because mm -hmm. it can be used against you at the drop of a hat. Yeah. If you show any form of emotion, if you get annoyed at all, if you get kind of upset, if you have a little bit of a tone, mm -hmm. it, 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 anybody can just immediately say that. So I worry for her in that sense. Yes. But as far as her capabilities, as far as her intellect, oh, yeah, as far she's as got her that. history in government, I mean, on paper, please. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody really is more qualified than her. Mm -hmm. And that does make me excited because I think if anybody does deserve to be the first woman mm -hmm. of color president, it is absolutely yeah. Kamala Harris. I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I, I worry about what will be thrown at her, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a country that is, and, and Republicans that are still saying there's no systemic racism in, in the, <laughs> you know, we don't have white supremacy, right. but then you don't even see the behavior that you are or, or see how condescending and how you are going to be demeaning to a black woman. I mean, look at the way they treated Michelle Obama and she yeah. wasn't even in office, right. she was the first lady, you know? So I can only imagine what will happen to her, but I do think that Kamala is the type of person that will handle it with grace, but yeah. also be able to, you know, stick it to them when she needs to, because <laughs> yeah. she's very, very smart. Yeah, well, I mean, in my concern, I mean, I'm just, I know that America is sexist and I know that America is racist and you put those two together and you say, here's a black, here's a qualified black woman, um, and vote for her. And, and then you've got mm -hmm. sexist, racist America. I mean, it's like, I, I, I can't help but be concerned. But I do think, I think that the best way to handle that and the best way to kind of get over that hump, I guess, if you will, is just mm -hmm. by, I, I think that she's probably going to have a bigger role as a vice president. I mean, mm -hmm. Biden had a pretty big role as vice president. And I think maybe there's a chance yeah. that he's going to expand on that for her because everybody knows she's going to be the one. You know, and who knows yeah. who they're going to yeah. put up. I mean, I don't know who they're going to put up. I don't know if it's going to be somebody like Nikki Haley or if they're going to go with a man. I have no idea what's going to happen to the Republican Party. And I'm just going to have to assume that they're going to lose in 2020. So they're going to have mm -hmm. to reconfigure how they do things, especially if it's this big, huge blue wave. You know, they're like, OK, we have to reassess and change the way we do things in order to get elected. So what does that mean? Does that mean they put up a Mitt Romney? Does that mean they try to, you know, go up against the Democrats with a with another, you know, with a woman and and try to have the battle of the women or something like I can't even imagine. But I just, I don't you know, know, the thing with the Republican Party, though, is like. The where it is now, like they're not gonna survive if they continue this BS. No, to be I know. honest, you know. So like when you say Mitt Romney, like he is kind of the only one that I feel like could maybe get Democrats to to, to vote for him mm -hmm. if they didn't like whoever. Yeah. If for some reason they didn't like Kamala Harris yeah. or whoever, they're gonna end up having Democrat nominee. They would need someone that is a little bit more of a progressive Republican or like yeah. an old school Republican that isn't this vile, right. you know, <laughs> racist just pile of crap that it is now that Trump has <laughs> turned it into. So they have to essentially rebrand themselves for the next election. Otherwise, it's they're, they're going to be finished. Yeah. I, and I think they will. In fact, that brings me I didn't even I didn't even write this question down. But I, I, I think, you know, I mean, the Lincoln Project, which I haven't seen the whole thing, was on 60 Minutes last night. And, you know, I, I saw there was a clip and Leslie Stahl had asked the group something she posed the question or she posed the idea that you know they have been criticized for creating you know what happened with the party leading up to trump mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. you know and like do you take responsibility for that and i think steve schmidt said 
something like, well, yeah, I think I was naive to the fact that there was so much raci- racism and, and it's like, okay, well, we weren't, but whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, we saw right. it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. But, you know, and, I, and I'm wondering, though, because, like, there's this idea that with, with the, people like the Lincoln Project, you know, from the Lincoln Project, joining the party, like, there could be this huge, um, maybe, like, 60% majority with a much bigger umbrella, if if people like Steve Schmidt and, and Rick Wilson are willing to, you know, just forego all the old school Republican, you know, I mean, I know that they like to say they're, you know, they're, they're fiscally responsible, even though in every single Republican administration that proves not to be true, but um, or at least it, it's not responsible and it's usually Democrats do better when it comes to the economy. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, you know, LGBT women, uh, you know, people of color and all that stuff, if they're going to be liberal on that, um, how do you feel about expanding the Democratic Party to include, like, people from the Lincoln Project? You know, I, I've been following a little bit of the Lincoln Project because I do know some of uh, my friends that, you know, grew up in the Midwest or even in the South but now live in California. They really resonate with the Lincoln Project because mm-hmm. there are there it's kind of liberal conservatism, you know. Yeah, right. So I I can't see it being a bad thing personally. Yeah. Um, I, it would be nice to have some sort of uh, unifying factor, and I think that the Lincoln Project that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure some things need to be fleshed out, but I could see it being a positive thing. I could absolutely. Yeah. Well, and then it goes to the point that you're making that the, if the Republican Party is dead, I mean that it would serve to have a big huge coalition it was just it's just that we in the party have to be accepting of you know i mean we have to accept each other and we have to appreciate that compromises have to be made because i think i i consider myself to be pretty progressive i mean I, i again i said i like warren it's her kind of uh, she, like the Warren Democrat really represents what I want for this country. Um, mm-hmm. But I also realized that, you know, she's, n- she's not going to be for everyone. I don't know why, because she seemed, you know, it's like, I feel like, oh my God, she does so much to help the average person. But, but I get that whatever, you know, everybody sees this a little differently and I'm willing to, I'm willing to open up things as long as we do not, sabotage ourselves as long as the inviting right. isn't so terrible that we wind up like the republican party now <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like right just right. a total what, whatever that is yeah I this disastrous mess <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well you know and i'm just i'm also just wondering you know i mean okay let's again assume because we all know that everything goes to hell if trump wins again and i say wins in air quotes but providing that biden wins um as a black woman in America, like what is your biggest concern for you and your daughter? Like, what is it that you want to see happen as we move forward? I really want the, the playing field just for people of color. I just want it to be even yeah. because everyone's, you know, it's, it's very easy for people to say, Oh, you know, if you work hard, you right. can achieve anything in this American dream, quote unquote, but like, stop, feeding people that crap it's not <laughs> true yeah. you know you know it's easy to tell people you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps but like martin luther king said you know if you don't have boots right you can't do that you know well, yeah and, and and i'm I, i'm very 
I can say that in the scope of Black Lives, I have personally lived a very privileged one. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, my, my I, you know, having both of my parents, both educated, you know, my mom was very big on education. I was very lucky. I grew up in a very affluent town. So I, my Black experience definitely has been different from others, but that doesn't mean that I'm not aware right. that other people's experiences aren't that way. Right. So it, it, I want to m- ensure that, honestly, that, other black females, but black boys, or whoever have an experience that I have of being able to be mm-hmm. educated, mm-hmm. being able to have the opportunities, being able to create um, uh, opportunities for yourself and others. So that's the biggest thing. And that's why I did really like what um, Joe Biden has kind of fleshed out with his Lift Every Voice and saying yeah. with as far as, you know, job programs, diversity training and things like that, because I do think it's very important. And those are all things that you know, Trump wants to take away, like taking away yeah. diversity training. How? Like, why? Why is that a bad thing to know how to be culturally sensitive and right. know, how, you know, what other people's needs are? You know, it, it's, it's mind boggling to me that you would want to dismantle that uh, yeah. and then you can't even denounce white supremacy. That's the whole nother conversation. <laughs> So I think, yeah, I think the main thing is just being able to, um, you know, level the playing field so that opportunities are afforded to everybody. I want to make sure that my daughter is able to get the right education and and that she's not going to be judged because of the color of her skin. You know, she is mixed, but in in America, she's going to be looked at as black. And I, I, I want to make sure that as a one and as a black woman, as she grows up, that opportunities are just afforded to her the way they are for everybody else. Yeah, I mean, and I could say uh, the same thing as a woman. It's just that I don't, I, I'm not black, and so I don't have that experience. But I feel, and I mean, I feel like I'm kind of privileged as far as I have white privilege, but just in general. I, and I was, I was very lucky because I was an actor for a while. I pursued an acting career, and then, and then I stopped, mm-hmm. and then I went into sales. And it's really hard to, dis- I mean, the people who are going to discriminate in sales are the customers because basically you have to earn your own commission. Everybody gets paid the mm-hmm. same, whether it's a salary or draw against commission or whatever. And then, and then you have to go out there and, and it's not about, um, you know, your, your, your salary or whatever the company is going to pay you. It, they pay that to everybody. So then it's just, you're a woman and how are the customers going to deal with you? And I mean, I was pretty fortunate in all of the jobs that I chose. I, I don't know. I did a number of outside sales jobs and, and there was only a couple of times the fact that I was a woman really, really like oddly, this was, it was so strange because I were, I sold industrial chemicals in Southern California and it was really fun. I, I didn't know what to expect when I took this job. I remember thinking, I hope I don't hate it. And um, mm-hmm. I was like going, you know, I had I had to get another job and I can't remember what the deal was, but I just kept thinking, oh God, I, hope I, don't, I hate this job. And so um, it turned out to be like one of the most fun jobs I've ever had because it was kind of like a scavenger hunt to find, you know, like the way I would find my customers sometimes, I'd just be driving down the street and I'd see a city truck and then I'd follow the city truck until they pulled over and or, you know, went to the city yard. But if they pulled over to like McDonald's, I'd be like, hey, <laughs> where's the city yard? And, and it was just like it was kind of fun to try to search. And, and I worked with blue collar men and I, I got mm-hmm. a whole window into their world. But in, in Southern California, I was well received because, you know, women in that industry were really well received. We would walk in and it was like, oh, woman's here. And it really didn't matter what you looked like. As long as you were a woman, 
that was good because men yeah. were, you know, it was all men all day long. So they were, they, they loved seeing a woman come in and then they wanted to talk and gossip. And it was just like so funny. It was such an education. Then I moved up to Northern California and I worked for the same company and it was a completely different situation. I was, there was this one time when I walked into an office and the man saw me and he sat down at his desk with his back to me and just continued on as if I weren't there. It was, I've never experienced anything like it in my life. I coughed wow. a couple of times and I was like, excuse me, pardon me. And, um, he just ignored me, just flat out mm. ignored me. And it was like, and, and that situation didn't last. And so, you know, I mean, I, I feel like even though I've been fortunate and I, you know, I have my stories of sexism and I've experienced all, you know, I mean, it's not that I've never experienced it, but I do feel a little fortunate because I didn't encounter too much of it. I think partly because yeah. I'm six foot tall and outspoken and I have large bones and it's like people just think I'm not going to mess with her. <laughs> you know, I think, <laughs> I think that I, I have a little bit of luck there. But it's like I feel watching what's happening right now, it's like I, I know we're taking some steps forward, as I said, since Trump mm -hmm. was elected. You know, we the, the ER, ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, was voted in. Although we need to get over that legal thing of the um, expiration, it was it was a deadline put on and it expired. So we've got to do this legal battle, mm -hmm. which won't even be a legal battle if Democrats win because they can just say we're going to extend it one more time. But um, I feel like women are not in the Constitution. This will put them in the Constitution. And I feel like, OK, so we made these strides, I think, solely because of Trump. But. I feel like we've taken all these steps backwards when I, I don't know how old yeah. you are. I'm, I'm 52. And so I remember, you know, watching in the eighties and nineties, just watching women soar, you know, it was, I felt as if women were making more accomplishments and they were going into the workplace and, you know, and it, it just felt like by this time we would have had women presidents and women of color presidents and like it wouldn't even be a thing. But like it's still about the freaking white man needs to be president. Yeah. And yeah. it's so it's yeah. so frustrating to me because it's like I'm all about like what you're saying. Yes, women, especially women of color, should have an equal playing field. But it's also this whole like, when is the patriarchy going to be smashed? <laughs> when are we going to do that? <laughs> and I think, yeah. And, and you know, it's so funny just in you saying that, you know, when you, watching the vice presidential debate last week, you know, Mike Pence was like, oh, there's no such thing as white supremacy, right. blah, oh blah, 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 blah. But it's like, can you honestly look at the scope of presidents that we've had and think that only white men are capable right. of being in this position and you don't think that there's a white supremacy problem in this country. <laughs> no. That's what's mind-boggling to me. It's like you're just levitating above the rest of us, but you yeah. only think that white men can run this country. It's it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It it, but it's that you guys have always had an upper hand above mm -hmm. everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's time for that change. It's yeah. just, it just needs to change. Yeah, and I, I really hope I really hope that it does. And I hope that, you know, what happens between now and or I should say between January 2021 and the next election, I really do hope that Biden offers Harris a role that is so obvious and that we could all see it because she's going to excel. Yeah, it's you know, that woman knows yeah. what she's doing. And I, it's like we yeah. I think America needs to see that. 
because we're just, yeah. st- we're still, I mean, I, every once in a while they'll show those clips. I mean, it's usually MAGA voters. It's not liberal saying this, but there's Republican women who say women can't be presidents because they're too emotional. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Have you seen Donald Trump? Have you seen Lindsey <laughs> right. Graham He's crying? He's like the most emotional human being ever in life. <laughs> it's just so I mean, this morning, I don't know if you saw his, his Twitter this morning. He was just going on yes. a rampage. Yes, I did. I try not to. I mean, you know, I never go to his feed. I just see his stupid mm-hmm. tweets come up because somebody else commented on them or something. And it's like, right. That's the I mean, I will engage with him. Not that he pays attention to me, but I mean, I'll, you know, I right. like to kind of mock him or whatever. But it's not because I go to his feed like my boyfriend watches. Yeah every rally because he you know he does a podcast too and so he and he's always been political so he wants to know what he's talking i can't freaking watch his rallies i can't i cannot i can't even go to his twitter <laughs> because it's like, yeah my mind starts to if scramble. i'm ever watching a clip my mom my husband leaves the room he's like i can't hear his voice <laughs> he does not want to hear his voice it's really funny oh my god oh my god well let's switch the conversation and uh, i wanted i mean i don't know as far talking about not wanting to deal, I can't deal with this confirmation hearing. Um, I can't. <laughs> it's so upsetting to me when I, you know, when Mitt Romney and everybody listening knows this. Uh, when Rip, Rip, ah, when Mitt Romney basically said, "Yeah, go ahead and you know have your hearing," I, I, I remember it was a, I think it, I don't remember if it was a Monday or Tuesday, but whatever day it was, I just started sobbing. Because I fear for my my own health insurance. I'm scared. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to have to worry about abortions because I'm, you know, 52 years old. But I worry about if somebody else wants to have that choice. I don't want that choice taken away. I don't want, you know, I mean, somebody who's going to rule in favor of Trump staying in power forever, which is clearly why yeah. he wants her there. Um, and right. so I just, right. I'm just like so scared. So, of course, this leads me to wondering, how do you feel if she does get in? Uh, Biden expanding the Supreme Court. Yeah, I mean, I think I think court packing, honestly, is going to be inevitable if she does get confirmed. But I mean, look at what Donald Trump has done. Yeah. So and Mitch McConnell. it's kind of like, yeah. you know what? You set the precedent for this. And exactly. This is what yeah. we're going to end up doing. And they wouldn't have to do that mm-hmm. if they weren't going through this process now. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of tit for, it's kind of tit for tat, honestly. <laughs> That's how <laughs> I feel. And I just, I think her... You know, I think there was recently something that came out where she said she wouldn't vote based on her beliefs, but based on right. the law. But it's like, of that's I don't believe you. Right. One, two, everybody votes based on their beliefs. Yeah. Like that's just what people do. But I, what has always bothered me is that some of the things that we're voting on shouldn't be voted on like if you just look at the history of voting like we should have never had to people should never have vote on interracial marriage we should have never had to vote on gay marriage we shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to vote on abortion rights like that Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with your own personal journey in life like i've never understood those type of things why we have to vote on them i mean even in california we're voting on what like there's a proposition 22 are you in california i used to be but i'm in in maryland dc area Okay, you're East Coast. I thought I wasn't sure, but I we're voting on whether um, independent contract people should be independent contractors or employees for like gig economy, so like Uber drivers and things like that. It's uh-huh. like, shouldn't that just be something that the the company decides? Right. Like, why are we voting on that? Why are we deciding other people's lives? And and that's the thing that has always bothered me about voting is that we're making decisions for other people's lives mm-hmm. when it doesn't affect us. So my concern with Amy Coney Barrett is that yes, she is going to to vote and rule based on her personal beliefs mm-hmm. that 
not many people share, mm-hmm. and it's going to put us back into what 1950s again probably that's what it feels like you know people joked about handmaid's tale but it's actually not that funny no because it's kind (laughs) of true you know yeah so uh, yeah i I, i'm i'm watching the clips a little bit later and see what they're out there hearing but i'm i'm not a fan i'm just not a fan no and i absolutely believe he should expand the court and i think it was greg oliar was on here and he and and i could be wrong I, i might be quoting him wrong but he said uh I think there are 13 circuit courts now and there used to be nine. Mm-hmm. And so he said that like there were nine Supreme just or Supreme court justices. And so then, you know, since there's 13 now it should be 13 justices. So I thought, well, that's kind mm-hmm. of, a, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it. And yeah, I mean, it's like, give me a break. Just, you know, they always accuse Democrats of an activist court and hello, look at what they're doing. Plus Kavanaugh, yeah. you know I mean? I, I'm ready to leave. I, I, Gorsuch was basically a stolen seat but at least from what I've seen from him, even though I disagree with him for, you know, in some ways, at least he seems to be going by the law as opposed to right. somebody like Kavanaugh. And then who did, you know, I mean, everybody keeps like pointing at Democrats and saying, you just didn't like Kavanaugh because of this, that. And it's like, well, we, nobody screamed about Gorsuch and he was a stolen seat. Democrats voted for him. So, you know, I mean, right. it's, it's not about it's not about the fact that they're conservative. It's just about the fact that how they're conservative and who are they answering to? And there's there's unanswered questions about, you know, where Kavanaugh was getting money. And even like Glenn Kirshner had said something like his his answers, Kavanaugh's answers about what he did in in high school and some of these like what I can't remember the stupid names that uh, drinking games or whatever he said they were, but they were they were really dark and everybody knew they meant something different. And the fact that he mm-hmm. lied about those things on the stand is perjury. And even though it's just as silly as something about a name of a game they played in school, even though it was an awful game, uh, that right. constitutes <laughs> perjury. And so he could legitimately be impeached, but I don't know if Democrats huh. will go that far. I don't know if they will. It right. really just depends on it really just I think it depends on so much. And I, I just I really hope yeah. that the new administration will find you know, that's where I look at the Lincoln Project. And the one thing the Lincoln Project does offer the Democrats is like go for the jugular. Don't worry about the strongly worded letter anymore because it's not working. It used to work. It used to be Mm -hmm. that you would point out how awful somebody was and that would be enough. Now it's meaningless. You know, making some statement that sounds good isn't, you know, you got to go for the jugular. And Rick Wilson is really good at it. So is Steve Schmidt. They know how to in in a way that's fair. Not cheating. And George Conway. And George Conway. Yeah, but I'm not a big fan of him because uh, he, I, I don't like him because of his, he, he was, he, I think he like was pushing Kavanaugh on people and he, and he was also going uh, on about a- Amy Coney Barrett. I, I, I don't, that's the only one of them I don't like. And I agree with, you know, he's a smart dude. He's a smart guy. But I, I, I just this, like what he's written about Trump. Well, I've yeah. I've enjoyed his, his Washington Post because I think they're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and he's a hundred percent right there. You know, I just, I don't know how to read him. Like that whole family to me is a little sketchy. I feel sorry for the children. Yeah. And I, you know, but it's like how I've always questioned, like how can, um, 
people like to point, and I'm never going to get their names right, but it, there's this, everybody who knows what I'm talking about, they, it's the bald guy who's a Democrat, and he's married to a conservative woman, and they, and they call him Serpent Head, and I can never remember his name. But anyway, um, like he was back in the 80s, he was a, a big deal. He's still always all around. But I, James Carville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remembered his name, James Carville. So anyway, he was, oh, he's married okay. to Mary, and I can't remember her last name, but she's conservative, and he's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. And... You know, people are like comparing the Conway to them. And it's like, no, 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 no. Because she was supporting and lying for a fascist who had children ripped away from their parents at the border, who's been accused of rape, who's practicing like fascism or trying to totally different than conservatism. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, that's yeah, totally yeah, different. Yeah. And so I, I don't get how... You could be married to someone. I, I get that you could be, it would be hard, but I get you could be married to somebody with a different political ideology. But this is like good versus evil. So I, you know, I mean, I feel like the Trump administration, all these people, they're akin to like Nazis. They just, the way, I mean, this policy about separating children, what's his name? Um, Rod Rosenstein said it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how young the kids are. Just take them, rip them Man. away. They're breastfeeding mothers having their children literally. Ripped away from them, and we don't know what happened to those kids. We have no idea. Hmm. So it's like for for me, I think like that's where I draw. I cannot get behind Conway. I agree with you. He's got he's great at, at like going against Trump, and I I genuinely feel he hates Trump. But I mm-hmm. but outside of that, I don't. He's a conservative, and it's like he's the kind of conservative I don't necessarily trust. I don't really trust him. For either. sure, and you know it's funny. His daughter, I've been following her on social media too, and she <sighs> flat out was like, "Look, don't." stop standing my dad because he's not great either the only yes. thing we agree on is the fact that trump sucks everything yeah. else about him sucks too so yeah i i can see that for sure for sure <laughs> well i mean i feel so bad for her because you yeah. mean she's just she says she wants emancipation and that her parents abused her and and then she also turns around and says she loves them very much so it just seems to me there's all kinds of weird trouble there and i you know i mean i don't pretend to know what that is i mean i can just see what i see and any any couple that's going to be together in the face of this you know one person is lying to the entire country and defending (laughs) the guy you know that that your husband is going after in the washington post it's like such a weird dynamic so it really is like it's borderline unhealthy yes that's you know they're dealing with it, so if it's yeah. working for them, then please, they're all. <laughs> oh, exactly. And then, I, you know, I just also, I'm curious, because I did used to live in California. I lived in, um, basically, the deal with me was I was, uh, my mom and dad split when I was three, and I was mm-hmm. born in Baltimore. So at age nine, my mom, uh, that was 1977, she moved out to Los Angeles, and we went out there. So just recently, I moved back east, because she's now back here, and now every like I'm near my whole family and my boyfriend his family is out here too so it just made sense for us to come back and I'm just wondering what's going on in California as far as like COVID how are you I mean from my experience in Maryland right now everybody seems to be you know we wear masks I haven't seen any real fights break out or you know I haven't seen anything Mm -hmm. like and people are happy to wear masks like what's going on out there What's the feel? It's a mixed bag, to be honest. You know, there's certain pockets of people that just don't want to. Definitely the more uh, Republican um, 
led areas like Orange County, for example, like don't even like they don't care about masks, yeah. but they also have higher cases. Right. Um, of course. I, I know people want to go back to normal. Yeah. Very much so. Obviously, we all do. But I think for the most part, people are, um, you know, following guidelines. Every time I go to the grocery store or even if we just go for a walk outside, people are wearing masks. You know, well, that's I, I had to do a couple of, of, of filming things and, you know, COVID pro- protocols have been great. I felt very safe really? with uh, the amount. Yeah. With the amount of people and just how they're dealing with, you know, some of my friends have gone back on set to do acting stuff. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that gone to do like a tv show or a movie or anything yet because i'm not ready for that but i also have my daughter but right you know from what i've heard and the little small things that i've done just interviews or just singing from a church or whatever everything has been very very safe and everybody's following so i think you know it's it's mostly a blue state so you're gonna have some more compassionate people that are are following and listening to the doctors and stuff so that that's been um encouraging for sure and so how do you like do you I, I keep I, I keep saying this and I know that, but it's like unless Biden has to win and then providing bright Biden wins, do you feel like I mean, I heard Fauci say that and, I, and I'm assuming he's saying this if Biden wins. He didn't he didn't start with that. But, I you know, I feel like if Trump wins, what's, which nothing's going to get done. Maybe there will be a vaccine. Right. But who trusts that? I mean, like Kamala said, I don't trust it. I don't trust it either. Um, but, right. you know, as far as. Do you feel that it, like Fauci said that it would probably be second to third quarter of next year before things start returning yeah. to normal? Yeah, that's what I feel. Yeah, like. I, I, yeah, I don't think it's gonna be any sooner than that. I mean, like exactly like Kamala said, if Trump is like, oh, we have a vaccine, I'm like, please, I would rather <laughs> probably get COVID than take a vaccine that he recommends. I know it sounds terrible to say, but I don't no. trust him as far as I can throw him. No, um, but yeah, I think realistically, it we're probably looking at summer fall of next yeah, year yeah. um and then you know hopefully we're, we're able to start going back to when things are normal again but yeah. i think the slow progression mm-hmm. um, of things kind of reopening and slowly going back to normal but not fully and as long as people are being safe you know we can find a way to manage this quote-unquote new lifestyle that we have to adapt to yeah well i mean it's like you were saying i know kristen johnson has gone back and started filming mom and then saturday night live they're doing it and you yeah, know it's yeah. like obviously they're testing and they're making all you know they're making sure everything is you know as safe as it can possibly be i i'm i get nervous because i just you know i i, I worry so much because my mom pretty much only has me that's it and mm, you know I so i that. feel like if something happens to me she's got no one and i just i want to be yeah. safe you know and it scares me I hate, I hate this is, that this is going on. It's just, it's so, you know, I've been, it's so strange because I can go to bed. Like I have the course of the day and you think the course of the day would make me angry, but I, I, I have little things that I do practices that I do, whether it's working out or doing meditation or just, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to maintain my sense of humor that usually by the evening, um, I'm kind of in a decent mood and I can go to bed in a decent mood, but I wake up, I've been waking up, I'd say it's been happening for the last week and a half with this feeling of dread. And I had to search for that term because it was like, I, I'd wake up and I just didn't feel positive. And I kept thinking it's, I wasn't sad. I wasn't like sad was the wrong word. And, you know, angry wasn't the right word. I just, it, but it was just, this, it was dread. And it wasn't dread about mm-hmm. it. It wasn't like, oh, what's Trump going to say? I dread that. It's just this overall, like Michelle Obama was talking about this low grade depression. And I think that's kind of what it is. It's like just a feeling we've been stressed and stressed. And as we approach this election, 
you know, it, it's it, everybody always says, oh, I wish the election were held today. And of course, you know, we all want it to, to just Joe Biden wins and it's over. But as like that day, can you imagine what that day that morning is going to be like? I feel like I'm going to wake up that morning and I'm going to be so freaking stressed. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, last time in 2016, I really felt comfortable. I felt like we're going to see if the first woman break the ceiling and, you know, the first woman president. And she's, you know, I really grew to, I mean, I always appreciated her. I, I was sadly sucked into the Bernie world for a little while and I still like the, the, like, 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 like I said, the Warren kind of vision for America. And I like a lot of the things that he had for his vision, but I got sucked into the 2016, you know, um, active measures for lack of a better mm-hmm. word. And I never hated Hillary Clinton, but I, I certainly, there were seeds of doubt planted in my head and, for sure. you know, and, and, and I, I just, I just want to point out that somebody from Mueller, she wrote who, who said that, you know, she's, she's Mensa. She has all these degrees. Same thing happened to her. To the point where she left the Democratic Party. She came back mm. and she voted for Hillary, but she got so sucked into this weird, you know, I mean, we didn't know what was going on. Now we do. Now we can recognize their active measures more easily, but still, at the time we didn't know. And so there were these seeds of doubt. But by, you know, voting day on 2016, I was over any kind of doubt I might have had about her. And not that I ever thought anybody's perfect, but I thought, wow, she's just going to be fantastic. And I remember I was excited and I took my shower. I actually cut my own hair that day. I just have this vivid memory of cutting my own hair (laughs) and I felt fresh and I (laughs) just did a little trim and everything. And like, I was so excited. And then, you know, and then it happened. (laughs) It's like, so I, I feel like this time around, it's so scary to walk into this situation, I, ho- I kind of hope it's the opposite. I mean, I'm not anticipating that Trump is going to win, but I just like, I hope it's opposite in that we, instead of having that gut punch, that it's going to be like this. Just like a weight relief. lifted. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. It's just, it's also scary. But, um, yeah, it is. So, what are you like? What are you doing now as far as I know you're a mom, and obviously that's your number one priority. But, I mean, are you, yeah, are yeah. you working part time? Are you, um, how are you, how are you dealing with all this COVID stuff? Yeah. I mean, everything definitely has taken a huge shift because, again, as a singer, I toured a lot. I did mm-hmm. a lot of private uh, house concerts and private events and, and different things like that. And, um, obviously none of that is happening now. Yeah. I also own, I own a, entertainment agency and I provide live music. I have a couple of bands that I manage under the company that do, you know, private events, Mm -hmm. weddings, parties, you know, galas, award show things, things like that. So that's also been canceled. So, um, I have been, I've done a lot of online virtual performing things for some benefit concerts, charity shows and stuff. It's, I, I, if I never see zoom again, (laughs) it will, I mean, totally with you. I will be more, than happy to never have to open that app again after this year. Um, so there's that. But I, you know, I have my podcast as well and my blog that I do, but I also am a worship leader at my church. So I've been doing online services for them. So that's still, you know, been kind of my part-time job um, mm-hmm. that I've been doing. And also I am starting this new project that I'm really excited. I'm going to be launching after the election. Um, and it's called Black Voices Heard. And I'm basically uh, interviewing and, and documenting just different black experiences in America. Hmm. Because one, it's to show that, 
you know, black people aren't a monolith and mm-hmm. we all do have very different experiences, but it kind of all comes back to the same thing of just wanting to have equal rights and wanting to be viewed yeah. a different way. So it's been very inspiring and encouraging to hear so many different stories and mm-hmm. different upbringings just from people uh, around the country where they've been from. So I'm really excited to, to launch that project next month. So that's kind of what's been taking up uh, my, my time. And I've been working on some new music that I'm going to be releasing soon as well. So oh, definitely cool. keeping busy. But my daughter, of course, keeps me the busiest <laughs> because she's crawling now. And oh, wow. She takes her daily house tours. <laughs> she takes her daily house tours. I know. She's she's only six and a half months. She started crawling wow. at six months. And even my doctor was like, she's moving very, very fast. Wow. But my best friend's a pediatrician. And she was like, you know, I think that if we weren't in this pandemic and if she weren't mm-hmm. home with you guys, she may just, you know, she wouldn't be as advanced because, you know, people oh, would be over right, right, holding right. her. But it's like there's nothing else for her to do. So she may as well just, you know, figure out how to do all this stuff early. <laughs> well, maybe she'll be a president one day. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. That would be, be awesome. Incredible. She's so cute. Oh, my God. You Thank know, like you. I just I seriously I, people should go to your feed and, and look at your posts about her. She's so much fun. Yeah, I, I love, and it's pictures like, often. She's just and, yeah. I, and I, I also love sharing her with everybody because it is hard to just always see crap. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Depressing stuff. So it's like uh, I she brings see, me joy. So I, I'm glad she brings you joy, too. <laughs> she totally does, because there's like a couple of feeds that I go to and look for. I like to look for her. I don't know. I don't do it every day, but like. I don't know if you know who Tara, Tara Dublin rocks or whatever. She, uh, she always changes her handle, but it's Tara Dublin and she just got Mm -hmm. two new kitties. And so, um, and it's interesting because I, you know, I've always had cats and my cat died on Juneteenth. And it's funny because she got these two cats on Juneteenth. So I think it's like, and so, well, she got one and she names, she's named her Maxine after Maxine Waters. Is that her name? Maxine? Yeah. Maxine oh, Waters. I love that. Yeah. yeah I love like, that. That's like, awesome. It's like, I think her name is like Maxine Rodham Pelosi <laughs> Dublin or something. <laughs> and then, um, and she's adorable. She's this little adorable cat. And then I guess that Maxine's brother, for some reason, was like the, the, the little kitty in the pack that something was wrong with him, but nothing serious, something about his umbil- mm-hmm. umbilical cord and no one wanted him. So Tara took him. So now she's got both. So I'll go to Tara's feed and I, and then I like Kirsten Warren because Kirsten Warren has uh, a new kitty too. And I'll go to your feed because those videos, whether it's kitties or babies or sweet stuff, they are saving me and everybody, no. <laughs> you know, they, they really help because it's joyful. You know, when you can, when you yeah. can see something that's legitimately animals and children are such joy and it's just so much relief to, you know, while you're, cause I, I, I think you've noticed I scream on Twitter. A lot <laughs> I, I probably come off as a little more angry than I am, but I mean, I'm in the moment. So I go with the moment and, you know, it doesn't mean I'm walking around my house screaming at everything, but occasionally I do, but it's not all the time, but it's like, you know, I can have my screaming thing. And then I see like your, your baby, or I see her cats. And then I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it's like, it makes such and a difference. And your memory is good in the world. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's really good for that. And I will be getting new kitties soon, but I, I have to wait for them. And, and my boyfriend has to get his stuff. To, he's like a, he has all this, I call it nerd paraphernalia, but he likes Star Trek and he likes all the, you know, like Superman and all that stuff. So he's got the um, statues and this, this enterprise and it's all out in the open. And my kitty who died, I mean, she was 16 and she, she didn't mess with anything. You know, she, it's like kittens are going to mess with everything. So he has to put it all, he has to get new shelves. So it has to be protected by like glass and everything. <laughs> and and um, I keep like 
pushing him like, get it now, get it now, because I want my cats. Because it's really hard to go through this without having any like little thing to cuddle and love. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I can cuddle and love yeah. him, but it's different than an animal or a baby or something that's just going to be cute and squishy and lovey. You know, it's like, I, I miss that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> and then before we go, I also want to ask you about the panel that you're doing um, online. And I want you to tell us about that because it sounds really interesting. Yeah, so on my podcast, um, if I'm not doing one-on-one interviews, I like to do panels with people. But for the next four weeks, I'm going to be doing an, a, road, a road to the election panel. So I'm going to be having different guests just to discuss the upcoming events um, weekly uh, leading up to the election, talking about the election, talking about different measures and propositions. So if anybody is just wanting to hear in-depth conversations about it and different opinions, you can listen to hashtag We Need to Talk, the podcast, and it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Cool. And then what, what, what topics do you usually talk about on your podcast? So it's really, really social justice based. So I'll, I, you know, I do everything from talking about Black Lives Matter to, you know, even talking about mental wellness, mental wellness, excuse me. And then um, we talk about the LGBT community. It's just a wide variety of things that I feel like people need to be talking about, but mm-hmm. people might feel uncomfortable talking about. So those are the conversations I love to have. So it really is a wide variety of things. Well, that, that we sounds freaking great. You know, I mean, I will be the first to admit that sometimes it scares me to be a white person and then bringing up black issues because I don't, I don't want to stick my foot in the mouth and I, I will say that I've mentioned you on the show before because there was that time that Joe Biden said you ain't black you know basically mm-hmm. and, and so and, and and I had I don't remember exactly what I said but I, I came up in defense of him and I, I tweeted something and you came on and you said I don't think you should be talking for the black community and mm. and I said you're absolutely right I like I thought and, and, and I and I never gave an excuse to you as to why I did it but this is what was going on in my head Uh, That day that, you know, the news broke, I just woke up. And so I saw that he said it. And then I I saw a couple Mm -hmm. of of black men that I follow who were um, basically just saying that the only people who cared about him saying that were the white, like far left who were using mm. it. And, and so I saw like two men make this point, two black men make this point, And I, I jumped on the assumption that that's the way it was seen within the black community. And that, and, and, right. I, and I did, you know, I mean, I have gotten into it with some people on, I call them the fringe left. And, and, and I do think that they, they drive me nuts. And so I was just in my sassy mood and I put out this tweet and, and I was appreciate, I appreciated your input, but more so I appreciated the fact that you could tell me this and I could see it. And then you, that we could maintain a a friendly relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because I sometimes as a white person, you know, I feel like, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like I need to listen and I need to understand what's going on. Although, of course, I have opinions and sometimes just things come shooting out of my mouth for one reason or another. And I may not think about it so clearly. But you pointed it out to me and I thought, oh, my God, she's absolutely right. I'm not going to make any excuses to her. I'm not going to try to justify what I did. Um, I just need to s- shut up. And but so sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about saying anything because I don't know if what I'm saying sounds offensive. 
You know, it's like because right, sometimes right. I don't think I'm being offensive and then I think, oh, I, I should have shut up then or I should just listen to somebody else's d- different opinion. So if you ever I mean, I know that for your panel right now, I know you're doing it on Sundays, which is difficult for me. But uh, on your website, I mean, on your podcast, if you ever want to have any, you know, discussion, I'm totally willing just with the knowledge. That, I'd love to. Yeah. But it's like I always I like to be honest and, you know, I love to. I don't know, point out the things that I think that are going on. And I have, I do have strong opinions and a lot of opinions. I mean, I was, I was raised in Baltimore, which is, um, you know, the East coast is different than the West coast. And I found that out when I was nine years old, because when I was a kid and going to school here, I, you know, could feel that there was tension between white people and black people. I had friends whose parents said disparaging things against black people. And, you know, a couple of my friends said it and, you know, my mom didn't raise me to believe that and everybody on my show knows that like if somebody says something offensive whether it's about a black person or anybody whether they're gay or whatever my mom's like don't talk like that in front of me I I don't want to hear it and she'll she'll say the uncomfortable stuff but it's like you know when I moved to California that was a totally different situation because it was like white people in California didn't like Mexican people I mean this was back in 1977 and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I felt that there, even though there was discrimination and there was racism and all that stuff, it was kind of more widespread. Like here it was he, in, in Maryland at that time, which I feel Maryland is really more diverse now. But still at that time, you could you could see it. You could see the tension. And, you know, yeah. and, and so like going to California, I had a completely I mean, there was tension, but it was different. It was with different people, different groups of people hated different groups of people. It wasn't just you know, white people and black people. And so, I, you know, that's where I get a little nervous because I feel like, am I, am I screwing this up? So it's like talking to a person of color and just having a real conversation um, with the understanding that if I get something wrong, I don't mind, you know, if someone tells me, no, wait a minute, think about that differently because I'm always open to it. So just letting you know. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'd love to have you. Cool. Well, uh, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Absolutely. So very simple. Twitter and Instagram, which is at Melinda Hale, M-A-L-Y-N-D-A-H-A-L-E. You can also go to my website, MelindaHale.com for my blog, my my podcast, my music. It's all there. For your everything. Easy to locate place. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All Melinda all the time. Okay. So um, I am going to put those links your Twitter and your website in the Patreon description Mm -hmm. of this show. And I'm just, I'm so glad that we got to talk because like I said, I've, you know, we see each other on Twitter all the time. We interact. I always have fun with you. And so it's, it's cool to kind of like solidify this in a conversation now. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you take care and give, uh, give Sienna a big kiss for me and squeeze her cheeks. I will. I will. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Oh, she's so easy breezy to talk to. That was kind of nice. It was just like an easy, she has such an easy energy, just so like natural and flowing. And I'm glad that I was, that she's the person that I spoke to today because I just can't deal with these freaking hearings. And on top of it, I have a backache. Oh my God. And I, I can't, I can't deal with these hearings. It's just so upsetting. It's really upsetting and I can't take it. So I'm appreciate, I appreciate the fact that she was on, on a day that I can't take (laughs) Because she was just easier for me. It's easier for me to deal with if I can be sidetracked. But that was a fun conversation and interesting. And I do hope that I can uh, go on to her podcast and we can talk about uh, racial issues and stuff like that. 
just because I think that she has a unique perspective and I think I will feel comfortable with her. I got to admit, when she told me she was from Santa Barbara, there is this, uh, there's something about Santa Barbara. I remember the first time that I ever went there. Well, okay, this is funny. Little story here. So back in, what year was it? I don't know. I was 31 and I was working an outside sales job and I had to go to Santa Barbara and it scared me because I had never gone to Santa Barbara before and I knew it was like a two hour ride and I just get nervous and anxious about things like that. So once I do it and I accomplish it, I don't, I'm no longer nervous, but like the anticipation of it can make me feel nervous. So I was feeling a little bit nervous about it. Anyway, I had gone to this acting class, even though I pretty much had stopped acting. I thought, well, maybe I'll just jump in and give it one more shot. So I went to this acting class. We're supposed to do this exercise where we mirrored what the other person was doing. So there's one person in front of a group and then they would move a certain way and we would mirror their movements. So what they did was they bent over and then they rocked their torso from side to side. So I did this and when I did it, I felt something in my lower back and it didn't hurt. It was just kind of this like, (laughs) not even that hardcore, but just this like, something happened. And so that was that. And I, you know, went home and a couple days pass. And today, you know, this is the day I was supposed to go to Santa Barbara. And it's the morning, I get ready for work. And I start to put my pants on. And I put my leg in, you know, in one pant leg, and I got this shooting pain that was just intense and crazy. And I had never had it before. And then it just like went away. So I was I thought that was weird. Then something, you know, I do whatever else and then I get that shooting pain again and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And it just went away and, and, and it was fine. Okay, whatever. So I go out to my car. It's like, I don't know, maybe nine o'clock in the morning and I sit in my car and it's, I think it was probably like May or June. So the sun was beating down and that was it. My back went out. And ever since then, I've had problems. So it's funny. She lives in this this stupid tying things together that she talked about Santa Barbara. And I have a backache today. And and it's like a really bad one. And it's kind of the kind of backache I had that day that I had to go to Santa Barbara. It was so bad that I had to call my mom. And I told her, I'm in my car and I can't get out. And my mom had to come to my apartment. And she got my neighbor, this guy who lived in my building. And they had to basically carry me up the stairs. And in order to go to the bathroom, I had to drag myself across the floor on my elbows because my back hurt so much. I guess today it's not quite as bad because I can kind of walk. But I mean, getting up, once I'm up, I'm up. But getting up is really hard. And it sucks. I hate this. I hate having back problems. And I think the reason I'm having them is because I have not been doing my crunches. Usually when I would work out, let's say three to four days a week, I would do 200 crunches, which built up my core, which built up the strength in my back. And I haven't been doing those. I've been exercising now, but I haven't been doing those particular crunches, so I have to. Because while I was doing those crunches, like regularly, I never had, I mean, I always have like an issue with my lower back, but it's not debilitating. It's kind of debilitating at this point because I wanted to work out today and I just don't think I'm going to be able to. So that kind of pisses me off. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but I did refrain from using profanity on today's show because Melinda, I I do know that Melinda, um, you know, she, she's a woman of faith and I figured I don't want to 
you know, scream fuck every five seconds. <laughs> so just so you know, I, I did make the effort for her because she, obviously we, you know, we learned how her, her religion is quite liberal. And, but you know, again, I just, I didn't want to be crude because I can be really crude. If you haven't already noticed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, on Wednesday, I'm going to be talking to a woman who really likes to spend a lot of time talking about religion. So this is going to be an interesting conversation, especially since today, um, although we didn't really get into her religion, but I, I always, you know, I mean, she's got it in her bio. Melinda talks about in her bio that she's a woman of faith. And then, and for the record, you know, I am not a religious person, although I do. And I wrote this on Twitter today that I consider myself, for lack of a better word, word spiritual but I think like I'm agnostic. I, I feel like there's, I feel like we really don't know anything. We, we can only go by what our instincts tell us or, you know, what our journey has told us. And I, I do consider myself spiritual. I just, I'm not religious, but I don't have any problem with anybody's religion as long as they're not trying to make me feel bad about myself or trying to push rules on me that I don't feel that I need to follow. Outside of that, I really don't, it, I, religion isn't going to bother me because I feel there's a lot of good in religion. There's, there's of course, negativity in religion, but that's based from people. That's coming from people and their interpretation of it. So the woman that I'm going to talk to on Wednesday is going to talk about how religion can hurt women specifically, but, you know, it can hurt more than just women. So it's going to be a little bit different conversation, but it's going to be all women all week. So that's cool. Looking forward to talking to her. <laughs> and I, I honestly don't know. I, I think her name is Chrissy Stroop, but on Twitter, she goes by Chrissy, the scary anti-fascist, <laughs> which is awesome. But I think this is going to be a fun conversation. So uh, looking forward to that. We're not going to do any patron only conversations this week. We're just going to have a regular week. I do hope you enjoyed the show. And of course, I'm interested in, in what you have to say and all your comments and stuff like that. But I'm going to cut it off now because my back hurts, damn it. And I have to go lay on a heating pad because what a drag it is getting old. <laughs> Although the, my back went out on me first time when I was 31 and now I'm 52. So it's not necessarily about age, but you know what I mean. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter, author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And you can also find my books on Amazon. I've got Peyton's Choice. That is a pro-choice book about a teen abortion. And of course, there's American Woman, The Pole Dance, Women in Voting, The Virgin Diaries, which is a collection of stories about how people had first-time sex and what they felt about it and all that. Uh, it's not just about sex. It's about the feelings associated with it. And then, of course, Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the, Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak. So that's it. And thank you for listening. I hope you had fun. You know I love your comments. I will see you on Wednesday.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.